everybody, I tried the milk crate challenge. And to keep it 100, I failed. I failed miserably. Uh, As a matter of fact, I broke my neck. I'm currently sitting in St. Michael's Hospital in a full body cast. Uh, Wonderful little room to stay positive, to stay optimistic. Uh, Very modest, but it's, it's, it's comfortable. All right. It's 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 adequate. I have a wonderful Czechoslovakian woman that comes in and adjusts my catheter once every two hours. Uh, it really hurt the last time she did it because I complimented her eyes and she took it the wrong way. All right. Whose fault is that, Muffin? Whose fault is that? I'm trying to be polite here. Make the best out of a horrific situation. And now I can't pee properly. Thank you. I'm phoning immigration. No, I'm I'm kidding. Uh, but no, at least I was able to do my podcast. At least I at least I'm able to record right now. I told them I'm like I I understand that I can't move my body, but uh, I I do need my microphone. Can somebody just go back to my apartment? I'll get I'll get you the keys. Get my microphone. Bring it back here because I have a rigid podcast schedule that no life altering injury is going to get in the way of. And they they did it. They did it. The, the Canadian healthcare system is is really as good as a lot of people say it is. It it really is wonderful. Not only am I getting people to come in and adjust my catheter, and I get a nice uh, nurse to come in, and and it, it's it's all uh, the bills covered. I I get somebody who will come into my apartment, gather my essentials, and bring them back to me. They're probably stealing money out of my sock drawer, but that's the price you pay. All right, I'm willing to do it. No, I I had to uh, I had to report I I had to record the podcast. I had to keep doing it. I had to stick with it. I have eight uh, very loyal stalkers that are hanging on my every word, and I have to spread the gospel. I'm kidding, uh, guys. I'm going nowhere near this milk crate challenge. I'm not doing it. I don't give a shit. I'm just, I'm not equipped like that. I'm not athletic. I know, I know what the results are going to be. It's going to be me wiping out, making a fool of myself and having it live forever in the bowels of six buzz. And uh, that's not really my thing. Not really my thing. At the same time, that's not to say that I hate the milk crate challenge. It's just, you know, uh, the movie Forrest Gump is not really my thing. I still acknowledge that it's a decent picture. But it's really just not something that I'm interested in. At the same time, I think that we should, like, I I exercise already. I exercise. Um, For those who don't exercise, you should be embracing this milk crate challenge. It gets an unreasonable amount of hate, the milk crate challenge. I mean, 75 to 80% of the world hasn't done cardio in almost two years. I think anything that just gets your heart beating, you should be, you should be trying. I mean, the milk crate challenge, not only does it get you moving your legs, but you're going up hills, so, you know, and you're trying to keep your balance on something that's not built properly. So right there, that's quad strength, that's core strength. You're getting a whole 10-minute Richard Simmons workout in just by climbing some milk crates that people stole from alleyways. Now, granted, the majority of people are failing, and there are people who are breaking their necks and dying, but we're talking statistics, everybody, all right? Every now, there's going to be a few duds. 
And uh, yeah, it is what it is. This thing, again, I don't know why I record this when I do, because it's going to be released on the Friday and the milk crate challenge is going to be a thing of the past. These trends, whatever they are, are, I mean, they're short lived, whether it was the Tide Pod challenge, whether it was that broomstick challenge. Remember that one where people were balancing the broomsticks that lasted like three days. The WAP challenge, which I was probably a blessing that that uh, didn't go for too long. but. Yeah, this milk crate challenge. Yeah, it's it's gonna be. I don't know. Maybe the Taliban will post a, a video of them doing it, and it'll live an extra seven days and be relevant, just in time for me to release this episode. But chances are not. I don't know. It, it's a it's a complex exercise. This milk crate challenge, because for one, yeah, you're you're practicing balance. You're getting some exercise. Uh, but on the other hand, it's like one of those things that I'm, I could see the U S military appropriating like some kind of counterterrorism measure. Just one of those things. Oh, Hey, you know, the whereabouts of a most wanted terrorist murderer and you won't tell us. Okay. Well, how's this? We've constructed a thousand foot high pyramid made of milk crates that appeared out of nowhere. We don't know where they're from. We have our suspicions, UFOs, but we've constructed it. And guess what? You're going to climb it. You're going to climb it. And here's the kicker, all right? Because there's layers to this shit. Not only are you going to climb it blindfolded, you're also going to have your hands tied behind your back. Your move, buddy. These online trends, not just the milk crates, not just all that shit, they're like our version of gladiatorial games in a lot of ways. Like the people who say that times have never been worse and oh my God, it's the end of the world. All you need to do is refer back to 2,000 years ago, okay? In ancient Roman times, which is a relatively short period ago, right? How, however long the, the world's been in existence and there, there have been beings living on this planet. Um, just a couple thousand years ago, they were feeding Christian families to lions. And I'm not talking grown adults. I'm talking children, too. They would just take whole families and put them in the middle of the Colosseum for your entertainment and just watch them get mauled by lions. That was the whole thing. And I feel like these challenges on TikTok are a civilized version of that. You have people that are just climbing a staircase, a thin Steep staircase made of milk crates. The majority of whom are going to their doom, pretty much. And you just have this giant sea of spectators with their camera phones out, ready to put it online. Everybody's cheering. They're laughing when a person gets hurt. You want that person to fall. Nobody wants that person to succeed. Nobody wants that person to make it all the way up and then go all the way down. You you're you're in for you you're in it for the nasty spill. That's that's what you want to witness, and I feel like that's our level of of gladiatorial activities at the Coliseum. And I, I feel like a lot of those talk shows, like Jerry Springer, like the wild gung ho talk shows, Jerry Springer, Steve Wilkos, Maury. I feel that there there are remnants of that in those shows as well. Right? It's it's normal people, spectators taking advantage of the poor in a lot of ways. You know, we, we want to see poor people fight. We want, and, and again, I'm not for this necessarily. It's a sick reality, 
but we've all watched it at times and been entertained by it. It's just this weird sort of lizard part of our brain that gets into it. But that that's what it is. I feel like it's Milk Crate Challenge or Jerry Springer. Those are those are our versions of the the two guys with swords fighting each other to the death for people's entertainment. And back then, back in Roman times, I mean, you had spectators that were enjoying this shit, but, you know, they were susceptible to the same fate. All they needed to do was piss off the Caesar. You know, the Caesar just had to not like you. He just had to say, hey, I don't like the way that person's eyebrows are styled. Throw him in with a tiger. Hey, we have hippopotamus coming. Get them in with that. Fuck the tigers. Get them in with the hippopotamus. Sensitive guys, those Caesars. Real sensitive guys. I could see them being like uh, modern day influencers. On uh, yeah, they they definitely have an in- infographic or two on their Instagram page. Couple of hashtags that uh, they don't really stand behind, but they're uh, posting them just for the clout. Those are those guys. I don't know where I'm, I don't know where I'm going with any of this. Fuck, I'm still reeling from uh, bombing under a, a, my friend's tent last night. I was uh, I was doing stand up, and uh, you know what? I, I'm going to give myself a little more credit than I'm giving myself. I, I didn't necessarily bomb. I started out pretty well, and then it just took a deep dive at a certain point, and I just walked off miserably. And uh, I, I don't know, it, it, it was, there was an extra bit of sting with that show because two of my friends came. I just invited them. They lived in the neighborhood. I'm like, it was, it was an outdoor setup. There was no microphone. And my buddy, I just said, hey, come on over. You can drink under the tent. You can smoke. You can do whatever. And normally those guys have come to see my shows. They're, they're great supporters of mine. But I've normally done well in front of them. And yesterday, something was off. I don't know what. I don't know if it was just the no mic thing that threw me off, but I just wasn't in my right mind. And I went first. I bit the fucking bullet, and I volunteered to do that because I just wanted to throw myself uh, at the mercy of an audience and see where it went. I feel like it's it's a good way to kind of grow hair on your ass as a comic to just go into those really difficult spots and set yourself on fire and see what happens. You got to deal with it, and uh, I'm I'm trying to do that. But yeah, something just didn't go right. I, I don't know if it was me mentioning the Taliban, uh, but that's I, th- I think if I remember correctly, that's when things started to descend. But I started off well. I, you know, like I addressed the room, and it's, it's again my buddy's show, and it's underneath this tent, and I'm doing it again on Thursday. But it's underneath this tent, and there's all these kinds of lights around. I think there's a Buddhist symbol. There's a whole bunch of shit. It's, it's a very voodoo shop-like vibe when you walk into that place. And I remember the first thing I said was I was addressing the lights and sort of the, the feng shui of the room. And I said, because there was an audience there. There was a legit audience full of mainly guys, uh, people drinking, smoking. There was a couple guys with bandanas wrapped around their heads. And I just looked around and I said, the first thing I said was, I feel like we're all soldiers in Vietnam who have gone AWOL. And that got a pretty decent laugh. That got a reaction out of those guys. I don't really know how funny that is, but it was just one of those things that hit in that moment. and. Again, the the high off that first laugh that you get, it gives you confidence. That's uh, you you want that boost when you open your set. And I just went into material, and then it was probably around the Taliban that I I, I started losing them. 
Uh, and I would say, I would blame it on the audience and say, oh, fuck them, they're sensitive, this and that, whatever. But it was probably because the joke wasn't funny. <laughs> it probably, I, I will put the blame on myself for that, everybody. No, but it went up. Uh, the set went up, and then it went uh, directly down. Uh, kind of like the Milk Crate Challenge. Okay, I'm not... Uh, not uh, I'm not gonna milk this milk crate challenge. Okay, that was that was stupid. That was stupid. I apologize for that. That was cheesy. I shouldn't have said that. That was on purpose. That was that was, midway through that pun. I was like, "This is cringeworthy. I should be in jail for this joke." That that's all on me, guys. I know everybody has pathetic moments. I want to take this time in the recording to say R.I.P. Charlie Watts, legendary drummer of the Rolling Stones, uh, my all-time favorite band. It was, uh, again, that's um, fandom that I inherited from my dad. My dad loves the Rolling Stones. And again, man, Rolling Stones drummer dies. Th fuck, man. This is the, your, your dad right now is having the worst week of his life. The worst week of his life. I haven't even heard from mine in six days. Not a peep. And my mom lives with him. She hasn't heard anything from him. He's just locked himself in the bedroom playing Beast of Burden on loop. That's his way of grieving, apparently. But no, it sucks, man. I mean, arguably the most famous band in the world. I mean, they've, they've been around for almost 60 years. Fuck, man. Touring the world. All four of them stayed together. And then the drummer dies, man. That's, that's like if Jesus lost a limb. It's it's bad. And again, he was 80 years old, so he's an older guy. You can't really be shocked when people die at that age. But, I mean, people are living to be so old now. People are living into their mid-90s. You're hearing of more and more people becoming, like, centennials, like, living to be 100. Not the majority of people, but you're hearing more cases of it. And, I mean... Every now, like for some reason, I know it's not young. You're not a spring chicken. But now when I hear of somebody dying at 80, I go, oh, fuck, man. Like he was, he was still, he was still a baby. He was still a spry gentleman. He had some years ahead of him. If he had just eaten his vitamins and drank his milk and gone on the elliptical and done all that shit. But R.I.P. Charlie Watts. Uh, Rolling Stones, my favorite band of all time. Never got to see them live. I never got to see them. And I, I don't know what the fate is now. Like, do you stop touring? Do you stop doing it? If they have dignity, which, again, they're world-famous stars. I don't think they have. They would stop touring. Like, they'd say, like, look, you know, we've, we've amassed this massive audience throughout the world. We have a catalog that spans from the 1960s to now. Let's just end it, you know? But I don't think that's the I don't think that's the case, man. When you have Eminem now, almost fifty years old, who is growing a beard, like he has a beard, and he's had a beard for like the last whatever four years, growing a beard. He's he's had it, yeah, and he just looks like kind of this lumberjack dad bod guy who's just rapping to impress his daughter's friends, and he's still doing. And you're just like, come on, dude, like you know. You're just you're 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 50 screaming about your stepdad in a song, all right? 
I mean, you're the hip hop version of a pop punk band at this point. I I don't think Eminem's like that great anymore. I think the last great thing that he did was the Eminem show, really. And I know that's gonna like whatever the stands are gonna be after me. Fucking okay, just go, f- focus more on unemployment. All right, guys. Okay, just you know, focus on getting that ankle bracelet off, people. How about how about that? Focus, I know you're sitting in on house arrest right now, which you've been on since before the quarantine. But, you know, just worry about your own thing. I'm expressing an opinion. Okay, guys? I'm joking. I was the biggest Eminem fan ever for a very long time. And, again, I, which I, I feel gives me the right to be harsh like that. But I, I feel like the closest thing to greatness after the Eminem show, which was just a raw album. Like, it was just a great, and great beats. It was probably the catchiest of all his albums. I mean, that's one of the few where I, I, I pop it in now, and I, I'm like, fuck, man, like, these are really catchy beats. These are really catchy beats. The beats to Marshall Mathers LP, Slim Shady LP, they've got some good songs, but production-wise, like Kill You is not the catchiest beat. It's very simplified. It's certainly not like what, you know, like the normal Dr. Dre beats that you would hear or uh, Snoop or any of those guys. I just, yeah, it, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't click with me anymore. But I think the closest thing to greatness that he reached after the Eminem show was the recovery album in 2010. And that was about it. That was about it. Yeah. I don't know. Now he's just kind of, he's just rapping about, I don't know. He, he made fun of that, uh, Ariana Grande bombing in Manchester. And he's, he's just doing that for the shock value now, which is whatever. He's trying to uh, get a reaction out of the sensitive types. It is what it is, but, I don't know. That that just kind of shit's not for me anymore. It's going to be weird. It's going to be weird to see how that music, that th- those genres of music age as we get, because I cannot see myself listening to Eminem at 50. I can't see myself listening uh, at an age where, where, like, if I have kids down the road, me listening to a guy who's talking about murdering his family. I just don't think that I'm going to be in that headspace. Not, not that I ever was, but... Again, that's not to say that his fans all wanted to murder people and this and that, but again, he he attracted that young core audience of middle America that again, they were they were it was teen angst, it was the anxiety of growing up, it was that sort of rebel anger that everybody has when they're at that age group, and now they're just kind of grown out of it, right? And he's still, you know, he's older and he's rapping about the same shit. And that audience that he had amassed all those years ago, they're probably for them. I hope not. Um, they're just not into it anymore. You know, you want more. Like my dad said, you know, music that he grew up listening to, whether it was Springsteen, whether it was the stones again, there were the, the lyrics were timeless, right? They transcend time. If there was a message, it was wrapped in allegory. All right. Eminem doesn't have that. Eminem doesn't have a song where he's rapping about kittens, but it's really about domestic violence, right? He just has a song that's about domestic violence or about, and again, that's what hip hop is. That's what music is. There's no set rules. You can do whatever you want. You can convey a message however you want, but I just don't see that aging as well as a lot of the stuff that my dad grew up on because the lyrics are timeless, right? Everybody wants to hear about love at any time in their life, right? Everybody wants to hear about family and parties and this and that and the simple stuff, right? Not everybody wants to hear a grown man screaming about how he hates his father and his mother. 
That's just how I feel. I don't know. Maybe maybe you disagree. I don't give a fuck. It's what it is. It's what it is. Episode 45. We should be episode... Yeah, this is, this is episode 45. We should be episode 50, I think, the first week of October. Um, that is if I don't take any breaks, but it, it, yeah, man, I'm, uh, I'm, we're almost, we're better part of a year pretty much in this. And, uh, I'm, I'm kind of liking where it's going. I, I want more of an audience, but we will work on that. Uh, I guess I haven't talked about a movie. I guess I'll talk about one briefly. I saw that Spider-Man, uh, no way home trailer and it looks awesome. I will say that. I'm not going to, I don't have anything negative really to say about it other than it's a nostalgic, inorganic cash grab. But other, it, it looks like an, a cash grab that I, I would gladly give my cash to. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, I, I like the idea of them bringing back the characters from the old series, like the old series from 20 years ago with Tobey Maguire. And I, I guess they're hinting at Tobey Maguire making an appearance. He has to. I, I really don't know what else he has on his plate at this point. I think he's just living off his royalties from the Spider-Man series and just, I don't know, fucking living in some apartment in, in bougie Manhattan or doing whatever. But yeah, he's not really in movies anymore. And that's pretty much because, again, like he's the Spider-Man guy at that point. It's, you know, you, you had a run, dude. But it's, it's going to be interesting to see if they can actually pull this movie off because it is something that is like the gimmick is out, right? The cat's out of the bag. And it's it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be weird to see. It's going to be weird to see Doc Ock. They're hinting at Green Goblin. They show that little ball rolling onto the highway and blowing up. So it, I, I do. I am curious to see how they execute that shit. I'm wondering if they're going to bring James Franco back in the middle of this controversy because he was a popular character too. He was he was a popular member of the Spider-Man, uh, I guess, whatever, series, whatever you want to call it at this point. Yeah, and again, apparently he's like a real creep, a real fucking weirdo. I just want to see what they do with that character if he's like just the handsy hobgoblin, you know? He's just flying on a glider and the breeze just the the breeze as he flies by lifts women's skirts up and he's like, ha, 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 and he's just laughing maniacally like a piece of shit. No, I, I fucked. I've never been a Franco fan. I, I really not that I ever suspected him to be a weirdo or anything, but uh, it, it is. Uh, I, I just I want it would be interesting. I'm playing around, everybody. I'm playing around. Uh, you know what? Fuck it. I think they should get Seth Rogen to play the Hop Goblin instead of James Franco. He's squeaky clean. He's pretty much detached himself from James Franco at this point, and uh, he's like denouncing all his old work and saying that you know whatever say, being offensive is bad and like all the whatever shit. Uh, yeah, I think he should be that guy on that. He should take the Hop Goblin suit, put it on. And just every time he flies by, he just laughs like an idiot. Just, <laughs> I'm going to get you, Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, I know that's probably not the greatest Seth Rogen. And I'm, I'm not going to work on it at all. I'm, I'm not interested in any way of doing a Seth Rogen impression. So that's what you get. Be happy with it. Be fucking happy with it, people. No, but Spider-Man No Way Home, I do want to say. I like the I like the last two. I like the Tom Holland Spider-Man series. 
I'm not I'm not one of those millennials that fucking owns the shit that I saw when I was 10 years old. You know, you know Toby Maguire's my Spider-Man, dude. Christian Bale's my Spider-Man or my Batman, bro. I I don't give a shit. You know, when the Ghostbusters, I grew up watching Ghostbusters, when the female Ghostbusters movie came out and all those guys were like, this is an abomination. And the movie was an abomination, but it wasn't an abomination that made me lose sleep. I don't give a fuck. All right. God, my great, not, not everything that you grew up on is sacred. All right. Why do you have to be so offended when somebody, don't acknowledge it. Don't acknowledge it. All right. I mean, my grandparents, they grew up in the Great Depression People were eating fucking sausages out of garbage cans. They grew up uh, liking Mickey Mouse, right? They grew up loving Mickey Mouse. That was that was a shining part of an otherwise horrible childhood and upbringing, right? Just going to the movies. If you paid a nickel, you could see uh, the Mickey Mouse cartoon, right? Do you know how many terrible fucking Disney movies have been made within the last 80 years? They were never offended by that. They were just like, they were never like, oh, that's my childhood. I grew up on Mickey Mouse. How dare you desecrate his legacy? No, they didn't give a fuck. You know why? Because they they survived a time when eight-year-olds would have to take up work in factories and uh, everybody's siblings went to war and got their heads blown off, right? That That's, that's going to make an adult out of you. They really didn't have a lot of time to worry about what, Little Mermaid 2? They didn't have a lot of time to worry about Mickey Mouse's Christmas. They didn't have a ton of time to worry about Santa Claus 3 or all these other shit Disney movies with Mickey Mouse's name attached to them. None of that. They just kind of had to survive. Anyways, I'm going to end it there, guys. Uh, Something's Off Podcast. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram, Something's Off with Alex DeWitt, or Something's Off Alex DeWitt. Uh, get me on TikTok, get me on Twitter, uh, watch Stagger on YouTube, Stagger a short horror film, subscribe to Laughing Stock Studios. Uh, I'm, I'm giving a lot of plugs for somebody who is really in no way famous. Uh, I'm, I'm getting a little full of, somebody should humble me. Somebody should, I, I need to do more bombing stand-up shows underneath tents. That's what I think, I, that's what I think I'll do. I'm, uh, I'm gonna do them right now. Uh, guys. Appreciate it. Take it easy.